name is Tyler also. Uh, I, as a, you know, from a business perspective, I'm a financial planner um, for uh, medical professionals. Uh, But as many of you know, I I spend a lot of time on Twitter uh, for the purpose of conveying as much free information as possible to help uh, students and, and residents to make good decisions um, to then go implement yourself. And that's, that is what today is all about. Um, and we're specifically going to be talking about uh, student loan management for those who are, who are about to graduate medical school and begin internship. And uh, I'm thankful that uh, Dr. Tyler King is going to chime in at one point in the in the near future because he's just finishing up uh, intern year. Or I don't know if you feel that way yet. If it's finishing up yet, you still got a couple more months. But you're uh, definitely in the you know the second leg of it. And um, he took some action last May through August. Uh, because he specifically was interested in pursuing public service loan forgiveness. And that uh, that path, you can do it more than one way, but there is a very, very efficient way to do it if you know that that is what you are going to do. So we'll invite him to share your experience, his experience um, in, uh, in the near future. Um, but what I wanted to basically break down today's discussion was first... Um, you know, first the steps to take, whether you're going for loan forgiveness or not. Um, and then we can dig down deeper, you know, if you are going for loan forgiveness or not. Uh, the first step to consider after, is right after graduation is to consider whether or not you are going to consolidate your student loans. Uh, consolidation does have uh, an impact um, it's it's usually something that is shied away from once you are some years into repayment because it does nullify previously made public service loan forgiveness payments. If you are in the unique position where you, for some reason, have some of those under your belt now, then that might give you pause to consolidation. But I venture to say that the far majority of you who are graduating medical school have not ever had a, a PSLF qualifying payment and that this will be the beginning. So loan consolidation is the first step to streamlining the PSLF process. Uh, If you do not do this, then you would have to wait some months before you, uh, before you would be able to start having calls. And um, I'll explain why more so in, in, uh, in a few minutes, but that would essentially be the first thing that you have to decide whether you're going to consolidate your loan immediately or not. Um, The second thing is then to pick which income-driven repayment plan you're going to choose. Now, income-driven repayment plans are on guard. They are, there's a a bit of confusion because IDRs are in of themselves loan forgiveness programs that last 20 years for in the case of pay, P-A-Y-E, and they last 25 years in the case of repay, R-E-A-Y. Uh, it's an extremely long period of time, so it seems like it's not even real. But they are required if you are going to apply for PSLF. So it's like you're on two tracks at the same time, but if you happen to also meet the PSLF minimum requirements and you certify as you're supposed to, then it's actually forgiven in 10 years. But you are uh, required to use 
use one of those, you know, one of those IDR plans. If you do not consolidate, if you choose not to, because perhaps you're not going for loan forgiveness, then what's going to happen is your loans will just naturally stay in a six month grace period from the point at which you graduate until six months later, which for most of you is going to be mid November. And then at that point, you will have to start making payments based on your income driven repayment plan. Um, so that leads to the last segment, which is what are you going to be paying? If you have, if you have decided to wait and you go the six months and you, you, the grace period ends, the ITR payment is going to be based on your 2020 tax return. Presumably that's your latest tax return. Um, if you don't have a tax return for 2020, that does make it more difficult for you to like prove income, even if your income is zero. Uh, for the purposes of this meeting, I'm not going to go into the details of that just because it's it's really complicated. If you do, if you are in that situation, you can DM me separately. Um, try to help you out but assuming you have some sort of income that that, uh, that uh, precipitated a 2020 tax return then that is the number that that loan is going to base your repayment upon so in this case you know if you make nothing then your payment starting in november is going to be nothing it will be zero from november to approximately october of 2022 now if whether whether you're going for pslf or not this is probably a good thing for most people because you're you're dealing with a fairly tight budget, and now you're you know you're paying rent. It's, there isn't some sort of living stipend anymore. The whole thirty three thirty five hundred bucks that you're getting all, um, as take home pay as a resident is all you're living on, presuming that you don't have another source of income like a spouse or partner or something like that. Um, so the IDR, whether or not you are going for PSLF is very, very helpful, um, uh, helping to keep the financial waters calm. Um, the reason why, you know, the reason why, now I'll go back to the first point, why some might consolidate is because if you do that, you will not have to wait until November to start to make $0 payments. And that is very lucrative for those who are going for PSLF because you want to get those qualifying payments under your belt as quickly as possible. And on that note, um, Tyler, uh, Tyler King, uh, uh, would you mind sharing uh, your experience with what you did last year? Yes, absolutely. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, perfect. Um, so, yeah, like Tyler was saying, uh, as as you're approaching graduation, you've uh, hopefully filed your taxes already. If not, you're planning on it um, by May 15th since they extended the deadline. By the way, great, great to see everybody's icons. Uh, um, okay, and then you graduate, you can, and you can't consolidate. It's not allowed until you you graduate, and you have to get your medical school to make sure they've updated you in the National Student Loan Database. So they may take two or three weeks to update that if you are not on them, or maybe they're not um, as with it as you like. So be contacting them now to make sure that they like have you completely uh, set up in the database that you are graduated because then your loan servicer will give you trouble and uh, say that, well, we can't actually start this consolidation until um, until the, you're graduated. Okay, so that's that. So you graduate, uh, you consolidate. Um, like Tyler said, 
um, picking a repayment plan, uh, income-driven repayment plan. There's three of them, uh, even though we only talk about two of them there, and there's four if you count ICR. I don't, don't want to get too many details, but your main two are pay-as-you-earn and repay. I chose pay, pay-as-you-earn because after a lot of research, I felt like I was most likely going to go for public service loan forgiveness. And even if I wasn't, it's a good plan because it's 20 years instead of 25, just in case I ever was going to entertain the idea of going for the 20 year forgiveness. Um, and also pay as you earn has a really nice feature where you can do married filing separate. And that allows you to, let's say you have a working spouse with no student loans, then you can do married filing separate and shield your spouse's income from the calculation. Now they calculate your student loans doing 10% of your discretionary income, which is a little bit of a complicated calculation is how they do it. I don't know if Tyler wants to get at that later, but, um, and then it's based off the previous year. So most of you for the year 2020 made no income, I suspect. Uh, and if that's the case, you will have that $0 payment coming up in mind to start until August. I did everything as early as possible. But my first payment still wasn't until August 11th, unfortunately. I really tried to get it by the end of July so that it would give me an extra month in, but um, didn't happen. Um, and then the other thing is, yeah, like like you said, if I didn't consolidate, I would have been put in the six-month grace period. And, and the problem with that is if you make any payment, during that grace period doesn't count for PSLF. It's just, it's on studentaid.gov. It's clear. Um, one other thing is if you do nothing six months from now in November and you just do absolutely nothing, you'll, you'll actually be put on the standard repayment plan, which is 10 years, and you'll end up with like three or $4,000 a month payments if you do nothing. So um, it's, and, they, and it won't be $0 a month either in November because if you didn't file taxes, I mean, because like if you did absolutely nothing, didn't file taxes, didn't consolidate in November, you'll have to prove, you'll have to verify your income. And if you don't have a tax return, you'll have to show current pay stubs, which is based off your 50 to $60,000 a year. And that's pretty horrible because for the year 2021, you're actually going to make half of fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year, um, so next you'll be missing out on the chance to pay even low payments the next year. So uh, I see a lot more pros to go for consolidation, even if you're not interested in public service loan forgiveness. But that's been my experience so far. I did it. I went through PageWare. My my spouse and I are not doing filing separate this year because we made so little last year in 2020. So, um, so the tax credits that we get for having a child made sense to file jointly this year. And everyone's going to have to do their own calculation on filing separate jointly. And it sometimes requires an accountant or student loan tax experts who really know how to do that calculation. And then if you live in one of the 11 community property states, it gets even more complicated, which I do. I live in Texas, California, a lot of West Coast uh, community property. That's probably outside of the scope of this meeting. But if you end up living in those states, very important to be aware that's community property states and mar married filing separately uh, if you're married. Um, that's a, that's a really important issue. And so I've had my $0 payments. Of course, it was all during COVID, but, um, uh, and they've all counted. And another big thing is just getting on this path, that doesn't get you on public service loan forgiveness path. What gets you on the public service loan forgiveness path is six months from graduation. 
or a year from graduation, whenever you want to do it, you have to submit your first employer certification form, ECF. And if you're with Great Lakes or Navion, for example, in that moment is when all of your loans will transfer to Fed Loan Servicing, which is the Department of Education's administered uh, of the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. So I've talked a lot. Uh, I'm sorry about that. And if there's any questions, I'll be here the rest of the hour. Thanks, Tyler. You didn't talk too much. <laughs> it's important to get a, a good of your experience. Um, yeah, so I think there is a, I, I am still very much learning how this in-app app works. So if you do raise your hand or something like that, um, or if there's a feature for that, if you want to ask me, I think it will alert me um, and I will try to field questions. You can do that anytime you want. Um, the next thing I was going to address was actually somewhat related to what you said, Tyler, about what the payments will actually be. Um, it, it will vary depending on whether you're single, married, uh, if you have children. Uh, the baseline that I like to go with just for the purpose of um, creating an estimate is to take your net income for a given year subtract $20,000 and multiply that by 0.1 and then divide that by 12. Was that fun? Yeah, nice math there. Um, so, you know, for example, if you, if you made, if, you know, if you're at if you're a $60,000 uh, salary, you know, you're only making half of that this year. And so when you file your taxes, in 2021, or sorry, 2022 for the 2021 tax year, you're going to show $30,000. You just subtract 20000 from that, and then you take 10% by the $1,000 by point, which brings you to 1000 Then you divide that by 20. So it's less than $100 a month for your second year of payments. So it doesn't ramp but it is very, it's very important to get on this track. Uh, with, like if, if you're going to go for PSLF and you want to be very aggressive and efficient about it, like Tyler mentioned, then just follow the steps that he just mentioned about consolidating. Um, even if you're not going for PSLF, though, I think that those steps are probably uh, it's not just a matter of, well, I, you know, I'm not going for low costs, but I don't need to worry about it. As Tyler mentioned, Starting in November, if you do nothing, you would be put on the ten-year um, payment. Which, you know, if you're if you're in if you're over three hundred thousand dollars in debt, which many of you are, um, it's going to be cost prohibitive to pay that. And so, it's something that should be taken care of fairly soon. If you're not stressing about PSLF, it's not like you have to count loans immediately. Like there are some uh, there are some specialties that know that there's a high probability they will not they will not qualify loan forgiveness or PSLF. First one that comes to mind is emergency medicine because you know it's it's uh it's a combination of a relatively brief residency uh compared to the job market where most hospitals are hiring private corporations to function as an HR. So you you might work in a hospital but your employer it's not enough. And so after three years, potentially four years of training, 
which all the all those years tend to be qualifying years. It's those latter years, the latter seven or six years that you have to evaluate. Is this something that's to be a field that I'm going to be in where I would be working for either the government of an organization? I don't think too broad of a brush with emergency medicine. Might be some symptoms you might qualify. Don't just if you're if that's like or don't just shut it down because I said that. I'm just saying that there you want to of your particular that you can you can you can evaluate the cost of of which path you're going to take. Um, even if you are getting on the idea is important from a budgetary standpoint. If any of you have, have uh, listened to what I say for any period of time, you know that I pri I have been prioritizing um, maintaining financial stability, um, maintaining uh, a, a good routine that's going to help you to stay healthy during training, and to not be looking at your mammoth loans is something that you need to address right now. It's very important to like uh, unless you have a spouse that has a really really high paying job and you're in the, perhaps you don't have much debt those scenarios obviously exist but if you are like the majority and you have a lot of debt and not that much um, the uh the, the time to address really attacking debt which to be after training is over with and the idr will help you to a manageable payment so that you can have a place to live that is not a shoebox and you can have an opportunity to have refreshment you know if you and your partner have you know you perhaps you've looked at your schedule for the next year and you're like i've got 15 days uh spread out you know and i say that I, I i cannot believe when i say that out loud to people they're like 15 days of paid vacation that's pretty good and i'm like no but they don't get weekends off duty. like i <laughs> it is it is very very limited and you know this better than i do the amount of time that you have off so if you can create if you can create like a refreshment fund, you can go somewhere with your spouse or partner or friend or whatever, just to get a break. That is more important than trying to pay off. Another reason to let the idea right away. Um, did you have a question or comment? Yeah, I did. I was wondering if you guys can talk a little bit about the employer certification. Like, how early can we do that, and what is the process for doing that? Tyler, can I defer to you on that? Uh, oh, you were asking if I had a question or comment? No, no, no. Um, no, the question was just about whether or not, uh, uh, whether, like, to speak more about the employer certification process. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't hear the question. Um, so basically, um, basically around, and it's, it, it was a little weird this past year because of COVID, they delayed this process. So I submitted it in October of intern year. This is the employer certification form. You can find it on the Department of Education website through studentaid.gov. Everything goes through studentaid.gov. The consolidation, uh, the public uh, the employer certification form, and then eventually your loans will get transferred to Fed loans. If you're not already on, you might you might be lucky, and your your, your loans are already with Fed loans, uh, and that's actually going to streamline the process a lot nicer for you uh, from a public service loan forgiveness uh, perspective. So what you do is you don't you're not required to do this employer certification form every year, but it's super smart to get on it 
early and do it annually for the next 10 years if you're pursuing that. And that just basically makes them put your loans in Fed loans if they're not already. Actually, I just got a letter last week that after a six month delay, because of COVID, they're finally going to transfer my loans uh, to Fed loans. And so now I'll be able to see the nice little tracker they have that says how many loans, how many payments you've made, and you know I'll be motivated every month uh, that it goes by. Um, and it's a very simple one-page, two-page form that all you're doing is getting HR or the GME office to sign that you've worked there since July 1st, 2021 in your case. And then uh, you just do that every year. Uh, every uh, HR, G GME office has its own and they'll be responsible for signing it. You may have to educate some of the HR people about it because it's still a relatively new program. I, PSLF, even though it was incepted, you know, the inception is 2008. I mean, the, the first time anyone was ever forgiven is 2018, 2019. And it's just going to start snowballing in the 2020s. It's going to become a huge, huge program. And billions of, like, billions of dollars are going to be... Uh, hundreds of millions of dollars are going to be forgiven very soon. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, you just fill it out once a year. And then after the 10 years, they've kind of made it one application where you're, you're the 10th year you do the employer certification is now the new PSLF application. So there's really no true PSLF application until the 10th year of, that you're done. Just throughout these 10 years annually, you'll submit the employer certification form. Really important when you switch jobs. As soon as you switch jobs, get your previous employer to fill out a form uh, that shows your end date um, so that you don't have to deal with going back and finding whoever's in HR five, six years down the road to sign that you were there. That could be a hassle. Yeah. Your question? Yes, it did. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Great question. If, um, um, what did you do to ask a question? Okay. I, I, I haven't seen how that works. Um, on the bottom left corner, there's like a raise hand button. Um, so you can click that and then um, it'll say like raise hand. And if you accidentally click it, you can unclick it and it'll put you back into listener, but it's, it'll show like requested under your name. And then when you um, like let somebody speak, it then says speaker and we can mute our mic. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Hey, Tyler, I'm not, I don't know about everybody else. But I'm not hearing the, uh, the questions. Uh, is there, is there something we should be doing like unmuting or something? Or? Um, oh, so you haven't been able to hear Medburn book speak. Is that what you're saying? emoji react so okay. yeah right. that's oh, my oh wow that's cool yeah we're all learning together <laughs> <laughs> which if you are like where is the emoji react it's on the right side and there's a little heart plus button yep there you go okay cool all right this is cool so 
not sure why you're not hearing the others. Um, I don't know. Um, okay, no worries. But we have another question. Go ahead. Yes. Um, hi. First of all, thank you guys so much for doing um, this. I was actually wondering, I was going through a loophole and, find, and well, more like a, a rabbit hole, trying to figure out how can you look up to see which hospitals or which, I guess, areas qualify for public service loan forgiveness? Is it, does it state, you know, do certain hospitals state, oh, okay, um, we, we can do it, bring us your paperwork? Because I was just trying to find a, I guess, like a hub of where it would list all of the hospitals. Mm, okay, that that's a great question. Um, to my knowledge, there isn't an official pub, like public service loan forgiveness qualifying uh, like a entity or institution list. Uh, the guideline is that it must be a five hundred one c three nonprofit organization. Now, the way in which you could verify that is you can you can look up the hospital that you're going to look that you're going to work at and um you can like you can dig into their into their the company themselves and many times like on their mission statements or like on their their websites um or even at the very bottom you can you can find information that like says that yeah we're a nonprofit organization um there are some residency programs that are not nonprofit that are not the 501c3 um they're few but they do exist so You'll want to verify that with you know whichever program that you have matched to. Yeah, basically you should be just asking your residency program who pays my paycheck because it doesn't matter where you work; it matters who signs your paycheck. So um, if it's a five hundred one c three or the VA healthcare system or you know the the government, uh, that's like guaranteed. And technically on the PSLF website, it's like other nonprofit, but so far, like, um, to the, according to the data release, um, you can go to student.gov and check out the PSLF program statistics as of November, 2020. And you can see how many people have currently submitted employer certification forms that have been approved right now, like 1.3 million people, uh, have standing approval of employer certification forms worth over $118 billion, uh, to be, um, to be forgiven eventually so if they were to stay on the path so um but i noticed on the stats it says of those forms that were approved uh 62 were government employees and 38 were 501c3s and zero percent nonprofit other so to be safe like after residency like you go in with the va or 501c3 but if it's a university that's paying you like it's probably going to be um fine uh it's going to be a 501c3 but if it's like hca or a huge private hospital institution who actually pays the residents paycheck then it doesn't count okay thanks all right did that did that fully answer your question yeah thank you so much i'm actually on the you know to look it up see so thank you so much for that Thing. And another question. Hey guys, hey Tyler, thank you so much for um for hosting and promoting this. I found about this event on Twitter, so I've been following you guys for a while. Here's my question, make it real quick. So I'm one of those um, med students who graduated, and 
unfortunately didn't match. Um, I applied to Durham, so you know I know what I got myself into. Uh, um, I'm doing the research here, reapplying. So got the plan figured out. This research here is going to be either with a university or a, a nonprofit. Would that count towards public loan forgiveness, or you know, because I'm not technically working? Um, te the role I'm in requires me to have a doctor degree, like a DO or a D, but I'm not going to be. Um, you know, I'm not providing care in the traditional sense. Okay. Well, um, I, uh, I, first of all, uh, wish you the, the very best of luck in uh, muscling through uh, the path you're on. Um, that uncertainty, I'm, I'm sure that's been challenging, but I'm glad that you're uh, that you found uh, such a at least a course you know for research. I'm sure that will pan out well for you. Um, the PSLF track is uh i mean in, within this world of of doctors we think well you know we're talking about residency programs and which residency programs um are qualifying but there's like no matter like what field you're in there's like there you know it could be you could be learning anything after you graduate after you graduate from school whatever that school is um these rules apply across the board and if you're working for a hospital that's a nonprofit organization then they count if they, like and I, like I've I've worked with a number of uh, speech therapists who um, they're in a unique situation where you know as high as physicians, but it's 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 higher than average, and they you know they they just it, it's very challenging. And so as far as like income to debt, and then they go for PSLF, and they work for a hospital or they work for a nonprofit, and their their payments count as well. So I, I would think that that would, as long as the as long as the as Tyler mentions the way he describes it, as long as the institution that is paying you is a nonprofit organization, then they can be all payments. Thank you so much. That's a huge relief, and I totally didn't even expect it. So I'm really grateful that you guys are promoting this on on Twitter. Um, you know, thank you. Yeah, no, it's it's the. I mean, uh, but, I mean, in my mind, it's just the right, it's the right thing to do. And I mean, I mean, Tyler's he's been very giving of his of his time. Like, uh, you could speak to it more, but I think that you've gone what you've gone through the past year has has uh, compelled a great deal of empathy for your uh, for the ones we're coming up by. <laughs> um, was there? I didn't. I'm not hearing the other questions. I'm sorry. I can only hear you. <laughs> so here's a saying that he was appreciative of us talking about this. Uh, yes. No. I, I I spent a good six months before graduation, maybe even a year actually, um, getting really into personal finance. Uh, I was married, had a had a had a baby on the way. I had four hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt staring me down, and I just wanted to make sure I didn't make a wrong decision. And and I actually started out on a pathway of I was starting. I was listening to certain people's advice that I won't name, an institution or a company company website i won't name it was i was listening to their podcast and i was like oh okay i'm family medicine i'm one of the lower paying specialties but you know what i'm just gonna pick myself up on my bootstraps and uh, i'm gonna pay all four hundred fifty thousand dollars off because that's what you know real people do and uh you know you just suck it up and you know do it for five, seven years of paying five, six thousand a month, uh, and and then I'll do it the old-fashioned way. And then I I learned from another train of thought um, that wait a minute, this forgiveness stuff is really 
forget is, is forgiving as the word says and in the whole i was falling madness with the median um clickbait narrative about public service loan forgiveness not working because the first year first two years it was like oh 99 rejection rate well it was a 99 rejection rate because people were applying that hadn't even been in the program 10 years didn't have qualifying loans and the program has changed so much over time because you have to have a federal direct loan for it to count or consolidate into one all of us have federal direct loans but back in 2010 most medical schools were using the old uh, loans that wouldn't count so it's not going to be until 2022 23 24 that a big chunk of people are going to start being eligible and information out there has just expanded so much so i started realizing hey like i can do my three years in family medicine all three of these years are going to count even though i work inside of a for-profit hospital my employer is a university so that those three these three years have counted my ecf employer certification form has already been approved those three years will count and then so after that for seven years i'm going to probably work for a federally qualified health center or the VA or on faculty with a residency program doing some, that's something I probably would have wanted to do anyway. So for those seven years, I'm going to do something that I was already considering doing paying, you know, the minimum student loan. I, I found a way to pay back a very small portion of my student loans and have a huge chunk forgiven tax free through public service loan forgiveness and then people out there who say oh like don't worry it's not going to be there for you okay my thing is even the most conservative republicans in congress the proposals they made even under the previous administration the budget proposals they made did not propose getting rid of PSLF for current borrowers like ourselves. It's for future borrowers, kids in high school. Um, so if, if you have a loan out, I feel pretty good about it lasting. Um, so, and even if it doesn't, you know, you have Tyler here to help you like find ways to save and invest over the next 10 years, just in case it doesn't work out and you have a backup plan. Um, but so yeah, I'm a big believer in it. I think a lot of doctors, are in jobs already that qualify for it so why pay it off all when you have a program that will um, help you pay less and get the rest forgiven tax-free so i'm just i'm not saying this for everybody i know there's some specialties that are um not it's not gonna i don't think you should make life decisions and choose jobs because of pslf i think you should do what you want to do but if there's something you really like and are interested in and oh it happens to be pslf like Okay. And for those of you going in like five, seven year residency programs, surgery and things like that, those five to seven years will count towards public service loan forgiveness, most likely, um, if you're at an academic institution. So, you know, I just say, why not get on the PSLF track? And then at the end of residency, you can make that decision. Uh, on Because on your 50, 60,000 year salary, are you really going to pay down? Three, four hundred thousand in loans? I don't I don't think so. So I, I would say get on the track. At the end of residency, you, that's the fork in the road, and you can kind of decide which way you want to go. That's my personal opinion. Thank you, Tyler. Yes, uh he's he's a big cheerleader of PSLF. <laughs> uh, I, uh, <laughs> um we, I mean we could spar, but I I mean I, I have no issue with 
just accepting that the current borrowers do what they say. If you if you meet them, if you meet the requirements and the filings and all that, that you will get it. My query is with um, your own career path and making making sure that you can make good estimates of what what the likelihood is of you wanting to do what will also align with PSLF. And but I mean. Tyler is absolutely right. There is definitely a period of time now where you are not, you're not in a situation where you have to like pick a path that takes you away from loan forgiveness. Because for many of you, it's the wise choice from a budgetary standpoint anyway. So go ahead and just like taking these steps now keeps both paths open. You can you can keep both paths open so that um, as time develops and you kind of get a better sense of you know like maybe you don't know now if you're going to do a fellowship you know you're if you but maybe you will in two years that's going to change the the landscape because every year that you're in training improves the chance that loan forgiveness would be achievable and then like like and if you know that you're going to go like if you know that you're going to go to in academia or something like that there that is a very very good path to take um as pslf is in that case so like th there's various examples but everybody is different so you need to take the time to look at it but you don't have you may very well not have all the information right now so the thing to do right now is to get on these tracks they're the same track right now and toward the end of residency then there will be a divergence and then some decisions will have to be made um so um i think we have a Another question? Yeah, hi guys, can you hear me? I can hear you. Thank you guys again for doing this. As everybody said, um, kind of along the lines of what you just said, something that I was wondering is if you end up in a situation where you're not going to be qualified for PSLF or you finish residency and it's just not realistic anymore. Um, and this is going to, I guess, be on a little bit of a case-by-case -case basis. But in general, do people then make it to their 20 or 25 years on the pay or repay plan and then end up with a big amount forgiven that we should be considering kind of saving to pay off that income tax or taxable income that we'll have at that point? Um, so you're, if I can just make sure I understand you, you're saying that if you get to the end of residency, and realize that you can't go for PSLF, maybe should you just go for the 20 or 25 year repayment or forgiveness? Is that your question? Yeah, or just as a general, if people, as a general rule, if people are on that route, are you planning to pay it off before then? Or are you planning to make it to the forgiveness period where you'll have to uh, pay the taxes on it, I guess is the question. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be a function of your anticipated income post-training. Um, for most for most physician salaries, you will have the loans with the IDR payment by 20 years. Um, in fact, you could very well like pay more than that, and so there wouldn't be anything left over to forgive. Uh, there, you know, there's there's lots of variables as you had mentioned, but in in most cases, if a doctor is getting close to the end of residency and they realize that they're not going to be able to qualify for PSLF because of the type of job that they have, I would venture to say that the ninety percent of the time is to refinance into a lower interest 
fixed term payments. That would be, I mean, depending on your cash flow at that point going forward, it could be a five-year repayment, seven, 10, 15. Depends on how quickly you want to get rid of it and how much of your cash flow you want to be able to dedicate to other things, um, be it retirement planning, um, you know, sa uh, saving for even for like more short-term things like a home, uh, trips, experiences, things like that. That will be, you know, that'll be subjective. But I'd, I'd say that most doctors probably wouldn't go for the 20 or 25 year forgiveness because their income eventually will, because you have to pay 10% of it. So like, for example, if you make $300,000 and you, you know, you take off, say you've got a couple of kids and you're married, you're going to knock off $30,000 off of that. So 30, 300,000 minus 30,000 gets you down to 270 and you're 10% of that every year. So you're going to pay $27,000 every year. Say you were in a five-year residency. So you're going to have to pay $27,000 for 15 years. And it's very, very possible that you will have, that you will have paid back what you originally borrowed. I don't know for sure. Like, is it really I, you borrowed? So. Go ahead, Tyler. Could I just add? Okay. So I'll, I will, my source on this and, and I'll just say like, so the person that I have gotten probably all of my information from on student loans would be Travis Hornsby with the student loan planner, studentloanplanner.com. I will listen to podcasts every week, just like I listen to Tyler's. Uh, but it's been over a year that I've been uh, listening to him and he's gradually kind of gotten more conservative on his advice. You have to pay, I mean, he does consults uh, for like four or $500, but so I haven't paid that yet, but I've listened to all of his podcasts. And this is the summary of what it, it, he would say is that if, if your debt to income ratio, he started saying two to one. So if you were at 600,000 uh, in debt and you were making 300,000, then you're kind of on the borderline, but, and he's kind of gradually gone more conservative because he's seen forgiveness, um, and calculated over the 20 years, especially if you're in pay as you are in pay. So like the example that, uh, Tyler just gave, like, let's say you have a $300,000 salary in my case with 450,000 in debt, which will be more by the time I graduate residency because interest is going to start again in September of this year. That'll be more than it'll be 1.6, 1.7 to one debt to income ratio. Uh, and it'll, the student loan planner consultants, their current uh, his suggestion is 1.25 is actually where they're at, but and, and that's pretty conservative. But uh, from a forgiveness standpoint, conservative, it's probably the opposite of conservative for uh, a, I mean, Tyler, it sounds like there's a difference of opinion here, but I, I would like to see the numbers spread out um, because over 20 years, uh, I'm not as good of a math person as Tyler, but obviously over 20 years, the dollars of today are so much different than the dollars of 20 years from now. And there are ways to significantly reduce your student loan payment, obviously with 401k uh, and, uh, and, and if you live in a community property state, you can split your income in half with your spouse. And there's all these ways to lower your student loan payment. There's, if you get a lump sum payment from your employer, uh, that can go and count for, let's say your employer gives you $50,000 towards your student loans. That will count towards the next 12 months of your payment. If you get 
uh, repayment through a state, a state of, uh, for example, state of Texas student loan repayment program. There's just there's a lot of strategies out there to to expand it out and that where that a, a debt to income ratio of around one point five, one point two five, it gets a little gray. And I I think you should have a consult uh, before you privately refinance because then you're saying bye bye to PSLF forever. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Tyler would agree with this. Before you make the decision to privately refinance, uh, always could get us get a consult from someone. Uh, whether that's with Tyler, whether that's with Student Loan Planner, whether that's with Doctors Without Quarters, I, I think you need a consult if you're on that borderline of the debt to income ratio, uh, and just you know, I, I think I think the ninety percent number might be a little high, but I I, I don't know. No, I think I think you're right. I mean, as far as like taking taking time to consider, it's a very very big decision to finance. Um, and once you make it, it's irreversible. So no, that's definitely uh, a consideration. But it's unique to every situation, so it's hard to give hard and fast rules. Yeah. Uh, advice in in such a nuanced situation you got to be you got to be careful to not just not just accept the norm or accept like the whatever's the big headlines you want to when the time comes and that time is in time right now is to get on you know get on your idr to get on those payments this will be something that you have to consider you know two or three years from now um do we have another question Maybe we did. Hi, I have a quick question. Yes, please. Um, so I was wondering, is there any benefit to paying more than what the monthly payment is for the uh, if we are under the PSLF? Um, like more than the minimum, like during residency. Yes, during residency and um, maybe after residency as well. Um. I mean, there, it kind of depends. Um, like, if you're looking to repay the entire amount, then, I mean, at the, at the point at which you're going to be, um, at the point at which you're going to be able to pay more than the minimum, um, there, there'd be nothing wrong with that. Um, it depends on some of the other situations. Sorry, I just had to run to the store unexpectedly. Um, if you heard that, um, um, the the reason why you pay more than the minimum would only be because you are now instead of just trying to float, you know, and, and maintain your finances, is now you're turning to repayments, like where you're actually going to pay it back. Now, um, now, now that could that could vary, like if. Like if, if you have if you have uh, uh, you know an amount, an amount of debt and the income that you have and perhaps if you have a if you have a spouse or partner who has income if that is your overall plan then then that does mitigate interest expense over time um, but that would only be the case if you are sure that you're not going to be going for loan forgiveness. And Tyler, if, if 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 people weren't sure they were going for loan forgiveness, would you recommend that they just invest like in the stock market instead of instead of if they're unsure about going for PSLF? Um, 
with that extra money? I mean, I guess it depends on how much we're talking about. You know, I, I think that it's, it's, it's really important to make sure that short-term risks are being covered. Um, what I mean by that is that there is a, um, like, there's a need to bulk up savings in case of emergencies. The emergency fund which should, should be at least three months worth of expenses. Um, you should also give consideration to expenses that you know are coming. Um, I personally, I do not quantify expenses that you know are coming to go to the emergency fund. Some people they're like, well, you know, I'm going to like that. I own a house and, um, I know I'm going to have to fix the roof in like 15 years. And so I'll just use my emergency fund. You know that that expense is coming. And so creating a bucket of savings for that expense would be more important. I mean, 15 years now you want to invest some, but I'm saying like things that are like more short term. Like if you think you're going to buy a house, once you complete training, or if you're even going to buy a house during training, um, you have to consider all the things that you that you might need cash for within a five year period. Um, if you have a if you have an emergency fund in place and you have all the short term expenses covered, then any surplus you could certainly invest in a Roth IRA. Um, you could you know make sure all of you as you as you get ready to start orientation in June or whenever it is uh, to be uh, finding out if your program is a uh, 403B plan, especially if they are matching contributions. That's where you you take a certain amount of money for salary and they will automatically put it into a retirement plan. And if they match, then they will put that same percentage into the, into the fund for you that comes from the employer. And those matching percentages range between like three and five percent. So, um, did that? That was a, a lot of a lot of talking on my part. Did that answer your question? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, you know. Uh, I'm going to be on here for just a, a few more minutes. Uh, I'm going to cut this out at 7.55 Eastern time. Um, if you have you know, additional questions, just raise your hand or you know, request or whatever it is. Um, but I, I think it's important that you all know that uh, I, even though I'm, I mean, you, I think you all know I'm not a doctor and I haven't been there, so I don't have the same level of empathy that like Tyler and others have. Um, but I, I have gotten to know a lot of you and I really think that what you're doing is really, really valuable. Um, the work that you're doing and that you're planning to do. Um, all these decisions that you're having to make, make them now, make them now to help you to be able to, you know, to be able to focus later on. You know, you automate and make it so that things are, are easier and simpler. And like taking the, you know, the first call that you have now to, to take care of these things so that you can have confidence in this, the decision. And then you don't have to think about it most of the time. So I just encourage you all to do that. Um, I think we had another question. Hi, um, I just had a question. My husband and I are both graduating medical student, um, so we both have debt and we both want to get on PSL up and income-based repayments. 
Um, as far as taxes go, would you recommend uh, married filed separately, or what would your recommendation be to not have our debt and income work against each other? Mm, that's a really good question. If you have, if you both are in a situation where you need to minimize your loan repayment amounts each month for residency, is that the goal right now? Uh, yes, right now. Um, eventually, we'll probably want to pay them off uh, before we met the PSLF time period. Um, I'm going into pediatrics and he's in emergency medicine. But um, like just right now, while we're getting our feet underneath us, um, trying to reduce those costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a great thing to consider. I would, I mean, did you file for 2020 yet? Um, no, we were actually claimed as dependents. Uh, I talked to Tyler a little bit about this. Um, so we're having to go through a process to show that we had zero income. Um, but so we're kind of in a tricky spot right now. I'm just trying to think ahead for next year. Definitely. Okay. All right. Well, um, first, before I forget, if any of you have parents that claimed you and they didn't tell you, you need to you need to say, hey, don't do that to anyone else, any of my younger siblings because it's not nice. Um, you want to you want to make sure that at least you know about it before it comes. I'm not sure if that's the case with you, but uh, Carly, but I know that uh, a number of people were surprised by it. Um, but that being said, for 2021, when you file um, by filing separately, you would essentially be having your contribution to the repayment, which would be good for maintaining balance with your, uh, you know, with your, uh, you know, with your budget and so forth. So for example, like, I know you probably make more than this, but if you each made 50,000, um, and you file together, that's a hundred thousand less than 20,000, which is 80, and you have to pay $8,000 per year. Each of you would have to do that. You'd each be paying $8,000 per year because you would be including each other's income. Whereas if you filed separately, you'd be paying, uh, you take 50 less 20 is 30, and 30,000 30, of that, 30,000 times 0.1 is 3,000. So if you file separately, bang, $3,000 each instead of $8,000 each. Hey, hey, Tyler. Yes. There is a little bit of nuance to that with married couples, and I didn't hear the question, but I, by, by, by your answer, I, I, I kind of I have it, uh, the idea. Um, when you're married and you both have student loans, things get very complicated with the calculations. So if you're on repay and you file jointly, um, there is something called the uh, double debt loophole. Um, and it's for married couples with both with student loans. And there's a calculation where if one of you does, if one of you can get on pay and one of you can get on repay, the way the repay calculation works, it helps lower the repay and then you still, you'll have to file jointly because that's the thing. If you're on repay, you have to file jointly. Uh, otherwise, if you file separately, you still have to include your spouse's income. So married file separately only works if you're both on pay, but if you both have income and, are, and both have uh, student loans, there's something called the double debt loophole. Um, and a student loan planner has an article about it, but, uh, and, and there's a way to get uh, a better balance if one of you's on pay and one of you's on repay, but look into that and um, just 
it gets a little little wonky uh, when you when you both have one. So yeah, thanks for pointing that out, Tyler. Yeah, you need to like that repay is would nullify that strategy. That you would need to be on pay. Um, so, but you know, before proceeding with before proceeding a strategy um yeah i would i would agree to you know to, to research this um you know student loan debt management is a significant part of what i do but i'm admittedly not like a specialist and it's in the biggest sense student loan planner are and so i gladly defer to you know to, to what they specialize in so check that out just to make sure of what Tyler's talking about, if it makes it po if it's possible for you both to be on pay and to be able to like separate your income from impacting your debt payments, then do that. If there needs to be something else because you're both earning an income and both have debt, and you need to take advantage of this double what was it double debt loophole? Is that what you said?